year was 2020. And amazingly, Scott, Andy and Dan had not been taken off the air. Against all the odds, we are back. It is a new year. Happy new bloody year. It's a new decade. And we're going to do all of this fabulous Witch Car Weekly stuff again, as is typical. And we couldn't bring in a new year without my favourite accomplices, partners in crime, Scotty Newman, uh, your associate or deputy? Associate editor of Motor Magazine. And, and over there is the deputy editor of Wheels Magazine, Andy Enright. Thank you so much for surviving the festive period and making it back again to the Witch Car Weekly studio. Splendid. Thank you. I like how you say we haven't been taken off the air yet. We record and distribute this ourselves. So the only people who can take us off the air, really... APRA. Are us. Oh, okay, right, yeah. I'm sure if there... Oh, if I carried on too, too many of my antics like I did the end of the last Christmas special, Scotty, yeah, which you had, to, you had to bleep me out, didn't you? I did. I'm sorry about that. I think if I did too much of that kind of stuff, there'd be a few questions raised. I don't know. We just put a little E on it for explicit. Oh, is that what you have to do? Yeah. What it's a great easy. world we live in. Yep. I, I issued myself a formal written warning. <laughs> I'm going to wear a T-shirt around the whole year just has an E on it, so people yep. can ex- expect explicit material from it. Yeah, very good. All right, great. Well, that's the year sorted. Let's get straight into it. Gentlemen. Uh, is... it this week. Uh, see you next week. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> it's been lovely. That was a great one. Um, no, we have, as as is typical, um, welcome back, gentlemen. We're going to keep doing what we do. We do have some exciting things to get through in the year that is 2020. Um going to keep our powder drive for the time being, though, but uh, expect lots more special guests. Expect lots more outside should we say broadcast? No, I'm going to say a narrow cast because mm. until our listenership gets much bigger, then it's going to have to be a narrow cast. Um, before that, let's get on with what we do best, and that is talking bollocks. On today's <laughs> chat, ending the showroom drought, the coolest incoming cars, and the ones that started it all. Critic. Nice. Was that, just that sort of? Like that? Did you just do a sound sound effect of like tumbleweed? Is that what that was? No, it was like dramatic wind blowing through the. Dramatic wind. Let's move on. All right, okay, let's start with the bad news. We ha- now have the uh, final year figures, new car sales, thanks to VFACTS for the year that was 2019. And it's not great news. As for the year before, new car sales are in decline. The figure for the, for the 2019 uh, full year, 12 month, was 8% down. Might not sound a lot, but it's actually pretty bad stuff. For all the manufacturers, all in all? Yeah, well, I mean, that must be, what, about 100,000 cars? Yeah. percent of one point, a million, well, a million and a bit. So, yeah. yeah. So it's it's a big figure, even though it might not sound like it. Um, it's not great news, but uh, I feel like we need to sort of talk about it. And, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, you know, if someone has a problem, the uh, the best thing to do is you start talking about it. You know, admitting right. you have a problem is the first step on the way to recovery. So they Correct. say it's uh, a self-help group I attend. Okay, good. Do you feel better now? <laughs> Yeah, all the time. It's oh, working an absolute treat. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. We'll do this again. Every so week what about the industry, the industry just need to talk about it and it'll fix it? Well, I honestly think so. Oh, really? Yeah, well, because, you know, when you get bad news, the brands and the respective manufacturers are all very sort of cagey. They don't want to talk about it. They only yes. want to talk about good stuff. But actually, if they just sort of, you know, if they just were a little bit honest about things. But why do you think it's down? Why, what, what's causing this well, dramatic um, drop? I had a chat to the chief executive of the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries, uh, FCAI, mm-hmm. a chap called Tony, and he gave me a, a bit of an insight into what's going on. Now, he believes it's tied to the economy. Now, that that's obviously makes a lot of sense, that the economy is uh, in uncertain times at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's obviously the Banking Royal Commission, which kind of upset a bit of the uh, financial sector and lending, all those practices. Uh, that's made it more difficult for people to get big, irresponsible loans, which is probably a good thing in the long run. But that means that they're not putting their hands in their pockets and buying cars and all sorts of things like jet skis and sex dolls and all the things you buy with loans. So I'm told. Um, <coughs> so the economy is affecting it. And the auto industry and sales is a direct knock-on effect. But his theory is that it's bouncing back. I can't help but think that's kind of what the chairman of the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries is probably going to say. Yes. Is don't worry, everyone, it's turning around as we speak. So, 21 months of de- sales in decline. But a turnaround is right around the corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, there are other reports which say batten down hatches, it's going to go on for another 12 to 18 months. Well, which... the other thing is, if you've gone down 21 months in a row, it's easier then to go back up. Well, it's true, exactly. It has to, surely, uh, there's only two things that can happen. One, it goes back up again, or we just continue, continue on this perpetual decline into not selling any cars ever again, ever. The end. I want to throw a curveball at you. Please do. We could have the sales go down, yet exactly the same number of cars will be sold. Do we know why this is? I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> um, <laughs> the stunned mullet silence in here. This is a curveball. We haven't had a t- chance to think about it. So because the thought process happening there. There's new reporting standards, I believe, for oh. this year or, or incoming in that uh, it used to be self-reported. Basically, I suppose all the car manufacturers would send in an email yeah, got it. saying how many cars they'd um, sold. Yeah. And there was, you know, there was some dubious practices in terms of you know registering demos and saying cars were still on ships or cars hadn't been yeah. delivered yet whereas you'd think that i think most rational people would look at the sales figures and go this is how many new cars were bought by people yeah whereas not always the case uh, i believe the fcai now has better better software better standards better uh, processes to actually track that working with the government so the numbers will come down a little bit, I think, by weeding out some of that, um, some of the lies. ghost cars. The what? <laughs> the lies. Yeah, the lies, okay, <laughs> yes. The furfies. Uh, yeah, so that's what I mean by okay. the exact same number of cars could be going out the door. But right. The figures may come down a bit over, in, you know, over time. So to it's a sort bit of like, uh, there's an interesting thing that happens with um, crime statistics reporting is that you can get this huge spike in crime and you go, oh, it's terrible. Suddenly Melbourne, for example, is the worst place to live in the world. Because, But actually it can be a good sign because it means people are just reporting them more. There's yes. not any more crime happening. It's just people, and obviously people talking about that is a good thing. So, yeah. like if so, someone broke into my house and I didn't, nothing got stolen, I'd probably go, oh, I can't be bothered. Exactly right. Yeah. But it doesn't get reported and so that right. apparently didn't happen. Also, as an indicator of you know, the health of the economy, you look at the way that housing prices have gone. And, and car sales, have, if you look at the two graphs and overlay them, they almost mirror each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in the large metropolitan centres, house prices seem to be on staggering back up again yeah. now. Yes. Um, so if that's an indicator of confidence in the market, then I don't see any reason why car sales can't. Um, I think... Tony might be onto something. Yes, and he did actually say exactly that. He said that, yes, uh, it comes entirely down to consumer confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing which dictates that more than anything pretty much is property price. And he did exactly say that. If you look at certain sectors in Melbourne, Sydney, they do appear to, house prices do appear to be on the way up again. If that wasn't the case, and it was very gloomy outlook for new car sales, how do we think we could invigorate that market? Just, just imagine the economy was on a on a continued downward spiral. Got any bright ideas, guys, how we could, you know, because I don't think the manufacturers are doing anything particularly wrong. 
No, no. Um, from a personal perspective, um, somebody who will buy a new car, uh, I'm kind of sitting on my hands at the moment because the, the next car that I want is a battery electric vehicle. But Ooh. I don't want to buy one now. Right. Um, I don't. I don't feel that the infrastructure is in place for me. So what to you're saying one. is you want everyone else to go and buy it one <laughs> to drive down prices and get the infrastructure. So then no, Andy, no, Andy can come along. No, on no, home. I, I, I will honestly admit I'm just yeah. sort of sitting on my hands and waiting a year or two until there are more charging stations around. Because once you get these things out, couldn't you just put one a in uh, at home? Yep. Yep. I could, but you know. I want that to be, would cost I want to, him. I want to be able to charge yeah. the car when I'm out and about without it being a giant faff, which okay. it can be. Yeah, um, fair enough. Well, interestingly, we did talk when, in uh, our chat with Tony. Um, we did talk about electric vehicles, and his opinion was very clear. He said there isn't a civilized uh, country in the world that uh, will rise above four percent of vehicle electric vehicle sales until they reach price parity with their relative. Uh, combustion-powered vehicles. Well, why, should, that. why shouldn't they, though? Well, well, <laughs> uh, his prediction is that that will happen somewhere between 2025 and 2030. If it want, if he said, if it ha- if you want it to happen any quicker, the government has to subsidise it, and it makes perfect sense. The trouble is, though, I don't see how. How do we reach price parity? I mean, is it, is a Tesla Model Three performance on price parity with a BMW M3? No, it's a lot cheaper. No, but I guess it's yeah, but yeah, it, I, I take your point. It's even an M three forty i It's price competitive. Yes, yeah, it is. Um, but I suppose we look at more like, I think the problem, like if you wanted to go and buy a Kona, say you wanted to buy a Kona, you'd go. EV I could have the, the well, no, just just a Kona. Right. So you could go in and go. I like the idea of an EV. Oh, that one's sixty five thousand dollars, or I can get a petrol powered Kona for thirty thirty five. Yeah, so I guess that, that's that, the point. That if, doesn't yeah, add up. Yeah. So, I think. What he means by price parity is maybe like if you can go and buy the equivalent variant yes. for not necessarily parity, it's going to be tough, I think, but say, you know, within the ballpark, 5%, 10% maybe. Whereas at the moment, it's probably more like a 80 If you look at the pure EV variants, it's more like 80, 100% sort of more expensive. Yeah, you look at the Renault Zoe and you want 50 grand for that. that yeah. That, that's, a, that's an 18, 20 grand. But that will come. I mean, the EQC is what, 140, and like a, a GLE is. 100, 110, so we're getting closer, but it's going to be hard if, I think this year on a global scale, I was going to say, how are we going to get price parity when they don't sell enough? But I think this year will be a huge push from manufacturers to get people to buy EVs because they need to. They need to do it to hit their... Well, interestingly, targets. yeah, I think all along we've we've agreed that hybrid vehicles will lead to more plug-in hybrid vehicle sales, yes. will lead to more electric vehicle sales. And hybrid vehicle sales were up 114% in 2019. Off a low base. So, yeah, true, <laughs> true. Uh, but even nonetheless, that is yes, an increase. It is. And that perhaps is, I don't see 2020 as being the massive tipping point, which, you know, suddenly everyone no. wakes up and buys an electric car. But I think it's probably the first year where we start to see a genuine shift towards the electrification yeah, of the vehicle. Yeah, there's a market yeah. acceptance. They don't see this as early adopter stuff. Priuses yeah. have been around for donks I think the EV tipping point is a long long way away in Australia for many reasons Yeah, mainly price but I think we now have hybrid acceptance I think in this decade we'll have a massive acceptance of hybrid you know we can see the waitlist on RAV4 hybrid Camry hybrid I think you know it's taken what almost 20 years but people don't think of it as weird or funny they actually really accept the benefits so I think maybe this year and then obviously if people start making more Buy more plug-in hybrids, you'll have more charging stations, people get chargers at home, etc., etc. 
Um, that was a very sensible and pragmatic answer from you, Andy, which I wasn't, wasn't expecting. Uh, I wanted something a little bit more um, hyperbolic from you, a little bit more polarising. Any uh, other bright ideas? How to, yep, uh, they should uh, ditch luxury car tax. They should have better advertising for cars as well. Right. All these stupid restrictions on yes. what you can and can't show. You know, if, if we want to see a Kia Stinger, we want to see it going sideways of course. In, in the ad. I want to see a we'll Prius see going, going sideways. Yeah, we, want, we want stuff that's Everything. fast and exciting. We want, you know... Bring excitement back to a car advertising. Although, playing devil's advocate, if they were allowed to be exciting, it would make, would it lessen our roles because we're allowed to we're allowed to be exciting. Because oh, I talked to true. some car car company people, and they're like, we're not allowed to do like even in their press shots and stuff like that. We're not allowed to do the big drifty stuff or the airborne stuff or anything like yeah. that. But they're like, oh, thank God, you know, you guys can still do that. So. Why let them have the fun? Yeah, terrible idea, Andy. Yeah. No, I reckon it probably would drive a few more sales. Excellent. I love it. I've got an idea, right? This is how we get around the advertising standard restrictions, right? You collaborate with brands that aren't cars. Yes. So, Arnott's Biscuits mm-hmm. has uh, Kia Stinger in it. Yep. And they pay money to Kia yep. for them to put a car going sideways, advertising crisps. Drifting, right? Drifting around some sales. Yes, yes. And then Kia pays for an advert that has Arnott's Biscuits in a vehicle, well, I don't know, oh, cooked up in the bottom. Like this is quite good. Yep. Yeah, see, you just collaborate yeah. and you can get what you want, but it's just someone else is paying else for That's right, I can do a massive power skid, yeah. but like while it's applying not, deodorant or something. Yeah, exactly. It's not a car yeah. ad, it's a deodorant advert. Perfect. It just happens to have the Kia Stinger front and centre. Yeah. There you go, problem solved. Done. What's next? Um, okay, so that's a, a, pretty, a bit of a grim result for 2019. 2020 arguably is looking a bit better. It might not be a return to the glory years, but I think it's expected to, to pick up at some point. Can I do a segue? Please. I'll attempt. Yes. So I felt like 2019, I may be wrong here, but I feel like 2019 in some ways was quite a quiet year for the car industry. Like, Yeah. Which is part, probably part of that, I think, sales decline. Whereas I think next year... It's going to rain. Oh, it's not next year. This year, I've already been caught out. Mm. This year, it'll rain new product. I'm thinking, you know, new Golf uh, will be a big one. I mean, it's a big seller in Australia. Yep. Um, new Yaris for Toyota. And yep. then uh, lots of new performance cars, which leads us very nicely onto the cars we're looking forward to this year. Bingo. Exactly. As, as Scott says, there's, there's tons coming. Um, it probably will break the drought in many ways for a lot of the brands. And yeah, Let's let's just put it out there. Guys, what are we looking forward to most? It doesn't have to be the fastest, sexiest. Just what's of most interest to you in the coming year? I noted down four cars, and uh, I noticed three of them are, are very fast cars. Um, but I'll go with the first one. Um, VW ID3 is a Ooh, might be your thing. Might be the one you're purchasing, Andy. Could well be. Um, yep. Uh, Porsche Taycan. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, have you already driven that? I can't say I drove it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I sat in it and got nearly got knocked unconscious. Great, um, but it, it's very fast. You Is that by the it? acceleration or the yes, yeah, the savage? Uh, the, there was a, a German guy at this te- at this test track. Don't yeah, say was, no more. He was sat there and he was just noodling it down a straight, and then he decided that what he would do was stamp on the throttle at, at maximum anger with no warning whatsoever and, uh, <laughs> my head went straight into the bulkhead i was sitting in the back and uh, oh, God. i was seeing stars for about three hours after that oh, this um, guy's amazing explains a lot yeah, yeah that's, um, how, that's how they get you to write nice things about yeah, yeah tycan id3 um c8 corvette obviously yep yeah a mid-engine corvette is always going to be exciting and um the new 911 turbo Mm. Oh right! Someone from Wheels has been invited to the press launch at Laguna Seca. Oh, Ooh. all of the good things. Um, 
It's not me because I'm still banned from the US. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's true. Have you driven a Corvette of any sort? No, no. Have you? I I had a long-term Corvette. And you had it, a long-term Corvette. Yeah, it, of it, course, it, he did. It caught fire. Um, wow. So, so I, I gave, love it how it just we just not surprised. It, it, was, it wasn't me. I gave it back to <laughs> never is Andy. Never I gave is. it back to the press office in fine fettel, <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, uh, a British lads mag took it to Le Mans. And halfway there, they decided that they would overnight in this French village and then do donuts in the square in, in this French village. Brilliant. They woke up the next morning and someone had torched <gasps> the Corvette with, wow. with all their camera gear in it as well. So it was just this red puddle. Wow. Oh, the French wow. Revolution. Yes. What was it, a C6? It was a C5. C5? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Wow, there's a lesson for you. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna upset the entire neighbourhood, don't park it up yep. the nearest motel. Nope, Vive la off. Revolution. It's <laughs> off the French, yeah. Um I'm excited about the Cayman GT four. Oh. Ooh. Yes, yeah, please. See, we're going Porsche heavy here. Yeah, yeah. no, I thought I'd get the all the predictable ones yep. out of the way first. Yep. Um yes, return to six cylinder Caymans, which obviously a lot of people were uh, incensed by a four-cylinder going in that thing. Mm-hmm. This corrects that. Um, I am also excited about the Audi e-tron, if it ever gets here, but it is yes. supposed to arrive in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very interesting car. And the more products you have that compete in that sphere, the better they're going to get. Yeah. Do you know e-tron in French? Uh, what does it mean? Turd. Whilst <laughs> <laughs> we're on the French tip. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, it'd be interesting because we'll, we'll be able to now run... EV comparison tests, which we haven't really... I mean, no, we all did one which was a bit tricky and well, yeah, some of them just, were... Well, yeah, just get together every electric vehicle you yeah, can, whereas now you can got have, nothing to do with one. Yeah, you can have now yeah. you know, relevant, you know, competitor versus competitor EV tests, e-tron yeah. versus the, the, the turd versus the um, EQC. <laughs> the, uh, the MGZS EV, another turd. No, that's not fair. <laughs> no. I've driven it yet. But yeah, they've just confirmed that for... The MGZS. Is it, yeah. The, yeah, the ZS is their new SUV, isn't oh. it? Oh, yes, 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 sorry. And I'm, they're doing an electric version of that. I had ZTs in my head, for instance. I'm thinking, why are you driving a 20-year-old <laughs> Ford Mustang Oh, yeah, no, no. It's the, it's the worst evolution of a nameplate in history. Um, but, yeah, no, so they have introduced a third variant of their oh, ZS SUV. It's an electric vehicle, and it's going to go on price, uh, on price, on sale for the first 100 um, customers for $46,000. So uh, the Ionic has just gone up, so it's currently Australia's cheapest electric vehicle. Wow. We're going to need to install an electric charger here. Yeah, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. the office, yeah. otherwise we really are. But we're first, gonna we're going to have to hack through the yeah. Amazon rainforest that seems to have grown up over the Christmas holidays. <laughs> we have to put a stop to that whole, can you come and collect your EV? Can you bring a flatbed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and my final suggestion for 2020 exciting cars I'm looking forward to Fiesta ST. Ooh. Oh yes, that's on my. It's a smooth segue into my list. That's great. Take it away, number Scotty. one of my list. I think. I yeah. think that car is going to be amazing. Although it is, you know, roughly six years old by the time it gets here, but that's okay. <laughs> I think it'll still. We need more cheap, simple, affordable performance cars. Uh, another we one get... of that is the Yaris GR, which should sneak in 2020 yeah. Q4. Uh, relevant because it was just. I was lucky enough to drive it late last year, but now it's been revealed in production, guys. Uh, 192 kilowatts, 360 newton meters, and a little tiny three-door hatch, 5.5 to 100. There can't be How many much? people in the world at the moment, sorry to interrupt, Andy, that have a, a more rose-tinted view of the Yaris, because you've driven the AP4 rally car. Yes. You've now driven the GR before anyone else has. Yep. Um, I you... think that's the only two Yaris I've ever driven as well. <laughs> well they, exactly right. So in light of that, it's Everyone's the best about the, the Yaris is amazing. <laughs> you need to drive the Yaris Verso. Although I drove the GR Yaris, and I was just like, oh, well, it's not the best Yaris I've ever driven. So. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, you've been totally <laughs> How much is it likely to be when that arrives? You have oh, a ballpark God. guess. 
it's a bit scary to think because I think having driven it, it needs to be sort of uh, 35 would be great. 37, 38 would be okay. Mm. Um, one of the guys from Wheels sent me a direct conversion of the Japanese pricing, which turned out to be like 53. Good! To sort of 60 for the first edition. Come on. And if Is you look it... at the bits in it, bespoke mm. engine, bespoke drivetrain, bespoke body shell, carbon oh, fiber right. plastic roof, yeah. aluminium body, like it's, they're all expensive bits and Toyota isn't necessarily known for offering, yeah. you know, making a loss, having lost leaders on a volume car. So Ouch. I'm a bit worried. Is it just going to get worked over by a Hyundai i30N though? Well, that's the problem because if it was cheaper than i30N, it's great, but I don't think it's, performance that it offers is enough to make up for the compromises of mm. you can have an i30 and it's as quick and you know as more or less as an enjoyable to drive with five doors with proper boot space with no compromises so that's where i think it's going to be rather rather crucial where they price it yeah and that is although that... i have more cars no i have more cars to talk yeah, about come on, Scott has come equipped with cars uh, m2cs <laughs> oh. oh yeah oh. come on of course give me that did you, did you see autocar driving that m3 csl with the manual gearbox uh oh, i did see that many prior driver yes that's a good what, idea what a thing that will very be. good you know, I'm, I'm, I'm... um base 911 i think that will be i really like base 911s the last well, since they went to turbo power the base one was more than fast enough totally um, yep. and I think you'll get rid of some of the chassis gizmos or we'll steer active anti-roll it'd be nice and pure but it's that has been the case always yeah, the entry true. level 911 has always been good and it's always been overlooked it's because no one wants to buy the base entry yeah, level car but they should they absolutely should absolutely it's, it's should. still it's always been a quick car or should you it. buy a Cayman GT4 <gasps> Ooh. maybe uh, RS6 I think will be a big banger it'll yeah. be pretty impressive but I want to shout out a car that I won't drive this year, but we should be able to drive. So the F-Type has recently been heavily mm-hmm. overhauled. Yeah. And they've introduced overseas a rear-drive, lesser-powered, supercharged V8 one. It's got about 340 kilowatts, I think. Oh, and so traditionally you've only been able to get that as an all-wheel drive. Yes. Yes. And we're not getting it here. Why the hell not? Because I don't know why. And it makes me really upset. We're Australia and we love V8s and real drive stuff. Because the original rear-drive V8 F-Type was one of my favourite cars ever. It was just so completely stupid. And the all-drive car is great. It's absolutely great. And it is more sensible. But it just took away some of its hooligan factor. And yeah. this car... And that's the thing. It, the only thing wrong with the original car was it had too much power for its traction. So now they've wound the power back and the torque back. That'd be such a nice car. Of course, because you still get the sound. I mean, the, one of the best yeah. things about that car is it's demonic supercharged yep. V8. It sounds ridiculous. Yep, it would be a very delightful thing, but oh. we yeah, can't have it. So, look, we, we at Which Car Weekly have a lot of influence over the global car maker's decision and yes. the markets they're going to. So, you know, just from on that endorsement I will alone, write them a handwritten note. Expect it to appear in 2020. Good. On the back of that. That's will. Fine. Any underperforming models be pensioned off that 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 we well the whole we, Infinity like brand disappears. We like to see it? the back off. Commodore. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> about that one. Yeah. Doesn't that just show that anything's possible? Really, I mean, if, mm. if that car can fall from grace in such a and such a spectacular fashion, can't it happen to anything? Really? Yeah, possibly. Um, is there any candidates that sort of spring to mind? There's some ancient old crap. Um, the <laughs> Now look how old the Shogun is. It's, it's been with us. Oh, the Pajero. Pajero, <laughs> yeah, 2006. Which means, doesn't Pajero mean yes. wanker in yeah, yeah. Spanish? Or in but the Maserati Gran Turismo, they've still got a few of those left in the deal. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's just shuffled off. That's 2007, I wow. think. Yeah, 2007, yep. 370Z, that yeah, needs, needs to go. To go. Um, 
Mitsubishi Mirage. Ugh. Yeah, Skoda but a new version's coming. Yeah, really? I know. Yeah, you're actually getting a new Mirage in 2020. So. <laughs> go to Rapid Face um, Space Back. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, Alpha 4C, do we care if that went? No. Nah. Um, oh, I would. would 3 you? Series yeah, GT? Why? Because it's like, it's, it is, it doesn't just look like a baby supercar, it drives like a baby supercar as well. It's incredibly serious and switched on. Mm. Okay. Feels, feels like a very poorly developed baby supercar. <laughs> 3 Series GT, the big fat frumpy thing. That's yeah, just that been can get a bullet. Pensioned off. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Great. Ford, Ford Echo Sport, that can get in the sea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can, get, I can, can. get in the sea, get out of the sea, and then drive into the sea again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Renault Zoe. Um, VW Arteon has gone off sale. That's as well. really sad. That is, that is sad. sad. That, is that is a, a cracking car. Right, if you awesome are listening and you didn't buy an Arteon, this how is, dare you? Yeah, the thing is, it'll very better of you. How how dare you? It will be back. It's a WLTP thing. They can't. Oh, um, is it? They, yep. They can't. Uh, oh. They can't get them through for WLTP. So it will be back at some point. Probably I wonder, an if, AV. That, I wonder if that artificially, or not artificially, but just n- naturally develop a bit of encourage a bit of demand. Yeah, people yeah. suddenly, you know, they, everyone wants what they can't have. Yeah, that's true. So if they go, yeah, I wonder. I mean, one car that's coming back is the. Uh, speaking of WLTP, is the RS3. That's what? been that hasn't been on sale for at least twelve months in Australia. Well, now it's a cracker. Um. So yeah, that should come back pretty soon, which is good. Is that both? Uh, what do they call it? Sportback and sedan, both off. Presumably, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, they couldn't. Well, they didn't have enough time to put it through or anything. Yeah, interesting. So. Yeah. Um, there are probably other couple uh, French candidates. Uh, I mean, anything with a Citroen badge on it, bless them. That's you know, cause they don't sell any of those. That's the same because some of their cars are pretty cool now, like oh, Picasso's and absolutely. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, the the Cactus, yeah, superb car. Yep. They, I mean, they make a brilliant. They just probably don't do a very good job of marketing it, and pretty expensive. I don't know. Golf, here's a, here's Golf a car has gone as well. Oh Mark, no, Mark I love seven. That car. Here's Golf a car Mark. that could probably go WRX STI. Oh, I looked at at those and thought, "Mm, yeah, it's gone a bit past. But they still sell pretty well, so yeah, yeah. I I I agree. It certainly can't compete with some some others in the segment it competes with in terms of performance. But it's still a bloody bargain. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you can't get a car that's that quick for that money really anywhere else, can you? Really? That's true. Although the four point nine seconds to hundred. What what's GA Yaris will give it a good shake. (laughs) It's gonna be about the same money. Yeah, it will. It will. It will. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have you ever tried to get 4.9 seconds out of a WRX? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah the, the clutch immediately <laughs> fell yeah. out of the bottom yes, right. <laughs> through the gearbox. Got to 101 kilometers an hour and exploded. Yeah. Yeah, we, we did that hot hatch test uh, a year or so ago, and we we bought a WRX and a WRX STI along, and neither of which is hatches. They were quite. Yeah, I know. It um, wasn't a hatch. It was just an affordable performance. Yeah, car, it, they were they were quite surprisingly slow in the real yeah, world. That's right. And yeah. interestingly, there wasn't a lot of difference between the WRX and the STI, was no, there? No, Even no. Even it's got an extra half a litre. What next? Uh, good question. Let's let's change topic. I think we've well and truly bludgeoned that one to death. Can I also we? mention, just for the benefit of the readers, it is about, what, 65 degrees Celsius in here at the moment? I'm so... I am it is so hot. So sweaty. Your charming partner often posts up uh, photos of her in the sauna. Then you, we need to take a <laughs> selfie here. <laughs> If she wants a sauna, she can come and do the Witch Car Weekly podcast. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Bloody hell. Right, well, let's get this over with quickly so we can all go and jump in the seat. Yeah. No, I'm um, losing weight. Rounding out the first Witch Car Weekly 
instalment of 2020. I can't believe we've never talked about this, guys. Let's keep it brief because we only got a few more minutes, but I know Scott doesn't care. He'll just go over anyway. Yeah. Um, why haven't we talked about our first cars ever? Let's do it now. Okay, great. What was your first car, Daniel? Well, look, uh, first cars are important because you know they say you can tell a lot about a person by their car. Yes. Does it apply to your first car? Are you, are you, you know, do you have much influence on what I don't your first think car is? so. You know, you just buy I mean, the... unless you bought it yourself, but. Yeah, well, yeah, you just buy the cheapest shitbox yeah. you can get I mean, the wheel up, really, isn't it? My dad bought me my first car and then proceeded to make me pay him back for it. <laughs> which really sucks because he paid too much for it. So yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> why should I suffer for your poor negotiating skills? You taught you oh, some great dear. life lessons there, <laughs> right, didn't yeah. it? And what was it and how much was it? It was a it was 1984 Nissan Bluebird wagon mm-hmm. and I loved it. Uh, it was fantastic. It cost quite a bit of money for my parents. They actually <laughs> paid for like to get the heating replaced in it because the heater core leaked and everything. Uh, I think it was about... $3,800 or something. Wow, that's a lot. 2004, this wow, would have been. they really saw your dad coming. Yeah, they? <laughs> they did. It was a pretty good nick. It was pretty low case. Man, that cop thing copped a thrashing. Of it course it did. It was owned by um, you. Yeah, I know. And before I had any concept of mechanical sympathy, um, had some neat tricks. Before. As, as, <laughs> as, um, <laughs> oi, as all these older cars do, uh, if you put it in fourth gear the reverse lights would come on oh cool which was very fun for people following me because obviously I had no idea until you see people randomly yeah, stab yeah, the right. brakes behind you <laughs> that's great um, it didn't mind a bit of oversteer but preferred um, determined to understeer crash? right okay determined understeer because it had like I don't know $25 tyres on it brilliant um, yeah, I love that car. It was good. Wagon per, wagon practicality. We all love wagons. It's, a, it's actually a double-pronged question for you. What was your first rally car? The Hatsu Charade. Oh, superb. Um, Three-door body shell with the big block 1.3 in it, which only came in the five-door. Yes. All-wheel disc brakes. And the, what was the best thing in that? You told me before. The Coaster thing. ratio gearbox yes. and an LSD, Yes. which was fantastic for the way it drove, but terrifying for running it because I could not afford to fix anything. All right. Because <laughs> the box was like five grand and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, please don't ever break. Amazing. Um, that was a good car. That was uh, the same car was on like the various bits, like the logbook. Is now on its fourth body shell, I think. Wow. Uh, it had gone through two. I didn't replace a body shell in it, but it went through one either side of my ownership. So. Wow. Yeah. There you go. The essence of any good rally car. Yep, absolutely. Uh, my Zach's. first car. Um, I don't really like telling people this without the, the, the context and the caveats that go with it. That just uh, means it was a terrible choice. <laughs> no, look. It, no, the reason... It was that, a Ford Laser Carlos and Patty no, edition. it was a 1976 Triumph Spitfire 1500. The reason oh. I don't like giving it context is because people then automatically seem I'm some kind of mindless, like, patriot when it comes to British cars. Yeah. I don't really like English cars. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... I love that car, but I, it wasn't because I, you know, I was being a stupid pom and just insisting on buying something British. It wasn't that. The reason I bought that car is because, as Andy will know, trying to insure your first car in the UK is a sodding nightmare. And basically, be. you can't really get anything with an engine much bigger than a 1.2 litre. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'll be laughed off the phone by the insurance company. But what I found out you could do is if you've got classic car insurance, they would give you limited mileage insurance, and then you can drive all kinds of cool things with ah, bigger engines. So you got a Mura. No. So no, 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 no. <laughs> so uh, I, this was obviously 1.5 litre, which oh, yeah. relatively speaking was enormous. Yeah. And it was real drive. 
So Perfect. by just having two speedos, whoops, did I say that? Um, I could drive all the kilometres I wanted and then just put the other <laughs> one back in. Yeah, exactly. So I just swapped the speedos over. So I had a 1.5 litre. Um, Let me guess, you filled this gearbox full of sawdust as well and then you. No, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> no, actually, that was the other good thing about that car is that it went wrong every weekend and it sounds terrible, but it taught me quite a lot about cars because every time it went wrong I, I couldn't afford to pay someone else to fix it I had to work out how to fix it myself I crashed it several times and every time something went wrong with it it was an opportunity to upgrade it so I had a whole fiberglass front end on it, it had a roll cage it had harnesses wow. and uprated brakes it had 100 horsepower by the time I sold it compared with 70 horsepower which is the... that's so, fantastic yeah, yeah. you still know where it is does it still exist I do not uh, but the guy that bought it said um, that he's driven plenty when he was looking around to buy a Spitfire he said it was an absolute shit heap but he says there's not one that he's driven that was any better to drive so <laughs> That's so, a backhanded compliment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bless it. Andy. Um, this is going to sound really... Andy's will be like some obscure Trabant owned by Stalin or something. Yeah. No, no, it, yeah. it, it is actually quite Euro trashy. My first car was a four-year-old Alfa Romeo Giulietta. Oh, wow. 1.6. Wow. Um that's quite fancy. That's so yeah, posh. it was dreadful though. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, okay. if you jumped out of gear, it had rust on it as a four-year-old car. Um, <laughs> but, that came standard. Yeah, I, I love that thing. I used to drive it around. I had no clue how to drive. So was it. this nineteen late late eighties, early nineties? This would have been eighty-eight. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, everything went wrong with that car. Just it Amazing. was perpetually going wrong. Fortunately, I had a brother who was like a mechanical engineer. And so I, I would just say, Chris, you know, the clutch slave cylinder shut itself. Um, we, we were driving back from Brighton one time. I got the stereo cranked and he's sitting in the passenger seat going, what is that dreadful noise? I said, shut up, mate. It's the Todd Terry project. And he said, no, no, turn it down. So he turned it down and you just hear. The sump bolt had rusted off and left, left oil all down the M27. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, you, you're 17, 18, you're like, what, what do I do? He, he, keep driving. You know, it's, it's just going to weld itself together. As soon as you key it off, this engine oh. is, is So dead. you're running on the white metal of yes, the bearings exactly. at the moment. Yeah. So it, it, it ran beautifully all, all the way home, probably about um, 30 miles. And then I switched it off and it went... <laughs> that was that. I'm sad. <laughs> I just love that my favourite thing about this story is it's the, the one thing that is immersed in oil the entire time managed to rust yes. on an Alfa Romeo. Off it came. <laughs> I like that you, your brother's a mechanical engineer and he said, just keep driving it into yeah, the yeah, oil. Yeah, right. yeah. But he was dead right. He absolutely but, uh, yeah, but, uh, fortunately he put a two litre engine in there for me. Whoa. Got one from the scrapyard so it went faster. And uh, I could drive it in uh, more spectacular like, fashion. It must have been quite super legera as well by the time the rust yeah, worms right. ate through it. Yeah, so super constant, Any Alfa Romeo of that age had a constant race, race lightning process. <laughs> it was going through all the time whether you want it to or not. It met a sad end, that car. It got attacked by someone with an axe. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> a jilted lover? Yeah, I didn't really have anywhere to park it, so I parked it over at the university. And someone took umbrage to this and attacked it with a hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> they were just furthering its light waiting process. <laughs> and and as we uh, speaking of sad endings, as we often uh, end an uh, instalment of Witch Car Weekly, it is with our head in our hands at some story that Andy has just told us, and that's exactly the way we're going to do it again today. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening, um, gentlemen. Important news: this very month, the second season of Witch Car is coming back to your televisions on Channel wow. Ten. We will, of course, annoy you to death in the up, uh, the lead up to it. Um, keep up to date with all of our goings on on the website witchcar.com.au. Get in touch via social media, and of course. Um, 
watch out for the second season, which can't come to your televisions. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. Let's get out of here before we perspire anymore and expire. I'm after getting a nice bath. <laughs>